How about your next patient? Our next patient is a female who is 55, uh, never smoker, upper respiratory symptoms, multiple antibiotics, the typical story. Eventually comes into the hospital and a chest x-ray showed bilateral lung lesions. So she was admitted, underwent a CT-guided biopsy, and the biopsy read, and this is, I think, a quote from the PATH report, that this is a non-invasive adenocarcinoma with a lipidic growth. And if this was a representative of the whole tumor, this would be bronchioalveolar carcinoma, Hmm. which I think really brings up an interesting point. So be it that if somebody has metastatic disease, obviously you're never going to have the whole tumor. How can you diagnose bronchioalveolar carcinoma in somebody who doesn't really have a full resection? And what is the closest to bronchioalveolar carcinoma? In this patient, non-smoker female, a lot of changes on CT that look like ground glass opacities that really is typical of bronchioalveolar. With this pathology, this was my working diagnosis. And in her, I sent her tumor off for EGFR testing. It really brings up the issue of how that happens in the community. So I specified in my request that I wanted EGFR mutation, and I specified the exons I wanted. Hmm. And what do I get back? Amplification. Hmm. And not enough tissue to run mutations. Where'd you send it to? Well, I sent it to my pathologist who sent it out. I suspect it was Genzyme. I'm not really sure. But we don't run those in-house in our institution. And we're in the process to now really this what prompted the meeting we're going to have is how do we want to prioritize what the pathologist does with the tissues we sent? Because oftentimes they run this battery of immunostains. They don't have anything left if we're going to ask them to do molecular studies. And even when I ask a molecular study, I'm not getting what I wanted exactly. I didn't really want amplification. So I don't have enough tissue on this lady to actually test for mutation. But I went ahead and treated her based on clinical variables with the single agent Tarsiva. I've seen her once since then, about 10 days after treatment. She had reported a symptomatic improvement with her cough. She was tolerating treatment well, had occasional diarrhea, but no significant side effects. What are your thoughts about this case, Vance? No, there's a lot of great points and issues brought up by this case. One thing I thought was really interesting is, you know, we talked about tissue procurement in lung cancer patients and how over the past decade or so as Histology has gone more from central tumors like squamous and small cells to peripheral tumors now. Most common method of diagnosis is a transthoracic needle biopsy at many of our institutions. And I was really interested to learn that at Raj's Hospital, a core biopsy is the SOP, which is great. Because generally a core will allow you enough to do some IHC. And you don't need 20 IHCs for a tumor you suspect is a lung cancer. You need two or three. But our pathologists can get carried away from time to time, yeah. as I'm sure yours are. So they need to be able to understand there's other people in the loop and other things you want to do. Yeah. And should be able to get you the 10 or 15 unstained slides to send out to Genzyme for what I believe should you know, be the EGFR and KRAS test at first blush. What about getting what you want? This is kind of surprising to me. Or not getting what you want. Yeah, I think it's an educational issue. I think that the pathologists probably don't know that were these EGF receptor mutations discovered in lung cancer, just like I don't know everything about, you know, H. pylori and gastric cancer and its eradication. And if I do, it took me a while to learn it. So I think there's a trickle-down effect. There's a big lag in communicating important observations that are generated in one discipline to a related discipline. And I really think that what you're doing is exactly right to bring the pathologist and the medical oncologist and the interventional radiologist together to make more of a seamless evaluation of the patient's tumor and optimize the information you get. 
Do you have a pathologist who routinely attends your tumor boards, oh, or they kind of rotate? No, specific pathologist who comes to our tumor boards is really excellent. Our pathology people are very good. I can relate to what you're saying, you know, because they're being asked to do so many things, and probably 90% of them are esoteric. But then when you get down to EGFR mutations or HER2 and ER and breast cancer, I mean, these things really make a difference in what happens to people. So... Yeah, maybe we need to clarify to pathologists sort of what the implications of these things are. Well, it is going to argue more for disease-specific pathologists, right? right? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of where we're heading. I mean, our right? pathologists are, so there's the breast folks who only go hmm. to the breast tumor board. And I think what we're planning also to do is, in our institution, is to actually bring the molecular test to be done in-house because our heme side had tons of molecular tests that they order. Yeah. The heme malignancy folks, the leukemias, the lymphomas. And if we're going to start ordering these things, the breast folks are ordering. I mean, there's enough to, the colon, to suggest know, exactly and and colon, and yeah. to have these done in-house. I've got to ask you about P10. I'm starting to hear more about that in various tumors. Vince, what is it and does it relate to lung cancer? P10 is a tumor suppressor gene that's central to the axis of downstream signaling from EGFR and KRAS and works with PI3 kinase and AKT in a very dynamic process. And in lung cancer, if you turn off the PI3 kinase AKT axis in patients on Aresa or Tarsiva, you basically block resistance. Like there hasn't been a mechanism of resistance described yet that doesn't result in upregulation of PI3 kinase AKT. So, for example, one of the cell lines that's erlotinib resistance has an EGFR mutation is actually P10 null. So the P10's knocked out. And now in lung cancer and in non-small cell lung cancer, usually P10 isn't mutated. It's hypermethylated. And so then combination questions come up about, you know, using a demethylating agent with Aresa or Tarsiva and patients getting Aresa or Tarsiva with EGFR mutations, that sort of thing. Has that been done? Yeah, the Colorado group had a trial with one of the drugs, I think azacitidine or similar drug looking at that and I mean, some preliminary results on it. But I don't think that the patients necessarily were well enough enriched to really ask the question properly. Yeah, I can barely ask questions properly about pathways, but does P10 have anything to do with mTOR? So mTOR inhibition has been suggested as a potential anti-cancer therapy, but when one inhibits mTOR, you get upregulation in AKT. And that's felt then to be an escape mechanism. So there are new drugs that inhibit both PI3 kinase and mTOR simultaneously and may block that upregulation and lead to better results. 